Welcome to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast. Join host Liz Myers and her guests as they explore resiliency through the lens of personal stories. Tune in weekly for inspiration and doable life hacks to overcome adversity and thrive in life. The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by guests of this show are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of Elizabeth or Resilient Life Hacks Ministries. Welcome back to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Myers, and today I have our guest, Josh Kelly, with me. He's a traditionally published author of the book Radically Normal. He's a former pastor, a bartender, a Bible studies professor, a novelist, writing coach, an editor, and a ghostwriter. So you are a busy guy. So thank you for being on the show today. It's a pleasure thank to have you. you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's not all those things at the same time. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> it's been uh, quite a story. And I know, you know, speaking of, you know, resilience, something that uh, has been for me a, a theme in my life is for most of my life, feeling like I just never was hitting it, like always feeling like I was mediocre but yet believing that God's called something else for me. And uh, now looking back, I have a much better sense of like how much um, ADHD pulled into that. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's a strange thing to find out at like age, uh, shoot, it was around 40, around 40 that I had ADHD. You know, mm -hmm. I spent all my life coping with it in mm. own, my own ways. But that to say, you know, um, assistant pastor at a large church and, you know, I did okay, but just I could tell that I was always frustrating them. Even, mm -hmm. They were wonderful people. They loved me. I, I learned so much. Then I went to be a lead pastor of my own church. And man, I just tried. I tried my darndest. And I did some things right. We created a, an amazing community. I was a pretty decent preacher. But aside from that, you know, I, I'm a lousy counselor. My idea of counseling is, you know, read read a chapter of Proverbs and call me in the morning. Stop <laughs> being stupid. I mean, that's, yeah. you know. <laughs> horrible at administration and all these things. And um, at one point we just, we started hitting some struggles and I had to actually um, remove my best friend from leadership in my church. Yeah. That sucked. I mean, there's yeah. no two ways about it. There yeah. was, you know, how you have these moments. I know from your own story, you know, I won't compare what I went through with, with a miscarriage, but something in me died that day. Something mm -hmm. that um, I'd say still hasn't recovered. Sometimes we die, you know, sometimes, yeah. some, some, you know, something dies. Mm -hmm. So from there, um, not long after that, I started to write my book, uh, Radically Normal, and uh, it's it's you know it's a message I believe believed in. I love it. I think it's a well-written book, and my publisher, my editor, thought that it had some great potential. Um, around that same time, I let someone come into the church I thought to help me, but actually he's trying to take over. Long story short, we ended up having to shut down the church. Uh, just it it dwindled down to the place where um, it was no longer sustainable, and rather than running into the ground, we gave it a, yep. a good, a good, uh, burial. You know, there's actually, um, not the most recent Christianity day, but, um, a little while back, I think it's the, um, February issue had this great article about, you know, churches and dying and how we don't do that very well. All that to say, um, close that church. The, my church closed the same time that my book came out. And so I was sure God's opening this massive door. I'm going to now, um, it's going to be, my, my editor said, you know, no one's heard of you, so may not do well, but there is that, sh that chance that you'll just get that, get that breakout, you know, you'll, you'll hit it. And that's why I was sure that's what God was doing. And, yeah. and, uh, he, that's not what he was doing. Um, <laughs> we, Ended up, we sold our house because, you know, and we just drove around the country for eight months because why not? You know, yeah. it's one of those things everyone talks about doing. I mean, you have done that <laughs> through <laughs> via, via the Air Force, yeah. but uh, we drove around the country for eight months, came back from that, 
and I knew I didn't want to be a pastor still. Uh, there are some jobs that you can do just for just to earn a living, and that's perfectly okay. Mm-hmm. Lots of jobs. You can just punch the clock, and that's fine. Being a pastor isn't one of them, you know? Right. Right. And so I just don't want to be a pastor anymore. So I decided to become a bartender. It's fun work. It uh, works great for someone with ADHD and who's highly extroverted, had a lot of fun, got to know some great people. I worked at good bars. Actually, mine was a um, a Navy bar that was a lot of my owner was a former uh, P3 pilot up uh, in, in Northwest Washington. And they used to call us the uh, Anacortes O Club because that's where all the officers went. They, they yeah. liked our place better than the officers club on base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I can so, see that being a thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we had all the pilots and it, it was a lot of fun. It, it, mm-hmm. So again, it's a good place. It wasn't like some CD bar. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I specifically chose that because I could keep on writing while I bartended. And then during that time, I wrote um, another book. I wrote, wrote a novel and I started trying to sell um, sell that, trying to find mm-hmm. a publisher for that. And wasn't still haven't had any luck on that one. Mm-hmm. But then... March, uh, almost exactly a, um, a, like a year and two weeks ago, I think it was March 10th, we got the news that our governor was shutting down all bars and all restaurants uh, thanks yep. to COVID. And that following day, that Monday was one of the worst days of my life. I'd never been out of work, you know, unless I chose to be like, cause I'm mm-hmm. going to another job or something. Yeah. Never been laid off. And, you know, I thought that I found my identity and who I was as a, as a child of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, until I didn't have my job mm-hmm. and I was, I was wrecked that, that yeah. week was bad, but God really used that time to deal with a lot of stuff in my own heart to see myself as a child of God and to also understand how much of my ADHD and the shame I felt as a child of never feeling like I was able to to do what I was supposed to do because I, I just, I, I couldn't, my brain wasn't capable of doing just a lot of the normal stuff. And, and I just kind of packed that away. And so God did a lot of really important work in my life with that. And also some really important life, uh, some really important stuff in my marriage as well. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of happened, that, that's happening. God's doing that. And at the same time, I ended up uh, ghostwriting a chapter for, for a company and find out I'm actually really good at writing in someone else's voice. Mm-hmm. And then God ended up saying just crazy, crazy things, things after another, where now I'm, I'm, I'm out of the restaurant industry. I've been uh, about six six months or so, full-time writer, actually booked out for, for several months, mm-hmm. uh, being able to help people with great messages, write some great books. And it's it's cool because it's now, it's, it's the fruition of so much. Yeah. But it took so long to get here. And, <laughs> um, you know, even this morning, I was talking to a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, don't you, you know, don't you kind of wish it would have happened sooner? And it's like, well, no, not really, because I wasn't ready any sooner. Yeah. You wouldn't be you know? the person you are today if it if God had left out a step along the way. <laughs> Absolutely. There's so in so many ways I wasn't ready. And mm-hmm. uh something I'm a big believer in, I, I like to talk about uh, God's story of grace, you know, mm-hmm. that we can look at our own our own path, maybe how we, we came to know Jesus and these all these things, there's like this weird like A to D back to A. And you just, you can't track that. You can't mm-hmm. humanly make sense of it. You can't replicate it because God knows what he's doing. Mm. Uh, it's hard enough to accept that God's working a story of grace in our own lives. But that's what's kept me going throughout all this is this belief that God is doing something mm-hmm. and to trust in his character, even when I really didn't understand. It's even harder to, to trust in, trust his story of grace for someone else, especially, you know, as a parent for your mm-hmm. kids, right? Right, right. 
you know, you, you find out that they posted something bad on Facebook or something and you're wrecked, you know, because, well, what's going to happen? You know, are, are they going to yeah. be worshiping Satan next week? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and it's uh, realizing that, yeah, that God's working in story of grace and we have to kind of have some patience for that. Yeah, definitely. I, I know as humans, it's so tempting. We just want to go from point A to point B and like, God, get me there as quickly and as successfully as possible. And we kind of have this mindset of if I do what God, what I think God's wanting me to do, then things are going to work out, right? That's really what I struggled with in my own life is like, I thought I was obeying what you wanted me to do. How can this have turned out so bad? But, oh, wow. you know, sometimes yeah. those are just learning opportunities then that he's using not to get us from point A to point B, you know, as far as progression in life, but like we talked about to cultivate who we are as a human right. and how we interact with him and interact with people around us so that we're ready for the next thing that he has for us to do. Absolutely. And it's, you know, there's still things I look back and I say, I, I just, I don't understand, you know, like that, that guy who I led into the leadership of the church, I really mm -hmm. thought that I was doing what God called me to do. I, I was actually getting ready to tell, I was like on the cusp of saying, go fly a kite to the guy and just really felt through a couple of different things like, no, God is telling me to bring him on. And I still don't have the answer for that. And that, that was, you know, seven, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know, but yet I underlying that is this knowledge that God is good and he's taking yeah. me somewhere, even when I can't understand it, you know? Right. Exactly. That's so hard when I don't understand. One thing that's always encouraged me when I'm in that kind of situation is the story about the disciples and Jesus told them, get in the boat and go across mm. and I'll join you later. And then yeah. there's a big storm and Jesus comes walking across the water and all that kind of stuff. And the whole reason they were in that storm where they thought they were going to die is because they had obeyed what Jesus told them to do. They went yeah. where, where he said to go in the boat yeah. he told him to get into and there was a storm anyway but he you know walks on the waves out to them and so that there's lots of times man when i'm in the boat and it's storming and i'm like but i did what you said i think yeah, you know did i did point. i hear wrong why is why is this storm coming up but just to know that that's that's okay god works that way sometimes you know sometimes mm -hmm. he calms the wave and sometimes he calms us while right. the waves are going on so, uh, but yeah, that is so hard when you're trying so hard to do what God wants you to do and you just can't figure out which way's up sometimes. And something one of my clients said, uh, one of the earlier books I wrote, is she was talking about that same passage and she pointed out, Jesus had already told them how the story would end or that part of it. I will mm -hmm. see you on the other side. Yep. So, and I just never quite thought of it that way. Uh -huh. The, the, you know, I, I don't blame them for being freaked out. I mean, yeah. I've seen the kind of boats they were in in those days. I actually happened to <laughs> yeah. be on the Sea of Galilee when they're having mm -hmm. a storm that, that actually ended up washing out a road down by Masada. Oh, wow. I was like, yeah, I, I would not want to be in the equivalent of an oversized canoe in this, you know, mm -hmm. it just, mm -hmm. I get that. But yet Jesus has said, I'm going to see you on the other side. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's what you have, we have to cling to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just not understanding how, but you know, understand or trusting that he will. Right. I, it's interesting, you know, when, when I first heard the little snippets of your story, I assumed it was the other way. I assumed you were a bartender first and then became a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And we, depending on which part of the nation you're in or kind of or which denomination, uh, you know, I understand a lot of Christians think Christ, other Christians don't drink. And you know mm -hmm. what? I'm not going to I could write articles on it. I, I mm -hmm. came to this place myself where, you know, I've done the biblical study. I've I've looked up every place in the Greek and the Hebrew that uses mm -hmm. the word wine. And da, da, da. I, I don't need to make mm -hmm. that point here. The, the 
point is, you know, just it was funny. I remember one one of my first times when I just started bartending and I was working at this place and someone from my first church came in and they saw me and they looked a little concerned. And I, I saw her uh, eye dart to my ring finger to make sure I still <laughs> wearing a, a ring. Yeah. Because that, that, that was her assumption. Yeah. What happened? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why? So, but I will say this, that, um, you know, whether we're talking about bartending or being an internet provider or so many jobs can lead, can you parse it out far enough that, you know, like a, an internet provider, if you're installing internet in someone's home, you're giving them the ability to watch pornography, mm, right? Yep. And so there is, it's very difficult for us, you know, to use the expression living in Babylon, that we're Christians exiled out of our home. And sometimes we have to make some tough choices. And we, and I, it's something actually in my book that I talked about is how do you know when a job is, um, when you can do a job in good conscience. And I wrote that mm-hmm. book long before I was, you know, mm-hmm. even, you know, was thinking about yeah. being a bartender. But I imagine there would be a lot of good ministry opportunities, I would think. And I mean, if you're chatting with some, people and are, are you allowed to do that kind of thing on the, I know in some workplaces, you're not really allowed to talk about Jesus, but. Well, I wasn't given any sort of, you know, like do or don't do this. It's just, you'd be wise. And mm-hmm. um, there were a few, um, but the whole uh, image of the person crying in their beer is, is again, with the beer place I was at, it wasn't that common. Every yeah. once in a while, I had these opportunities and it's so much of it. And again, this comes back to the thing of God's story of grace. Mm-hmm. At any given point, I may not, my job isn't to get them from hearing the gospel for the first time to, you know, saying the sinner's prayer. I have some peace and with my coworkers, you know, every time I, mm-hmm. I drove up to my job, I would pray, Father, I pray that I'd be a blessing, that I glorify and honor you, that I'd be a blessing to the owner, to the manager, to my coworkers, and to my customers. Mm-hmm. And that was my prayer literally every every day when I came in. And mm-hmm. I look for opportunities. And sometimes there were some occasionally. Most of the times it's just trying to be a good, faithful Christian. And mm-hmm. um, and that's back in the yard. I mean. I was the only person there that would declare my um, cash tips for uh, tax purposes. For taxes, yeah. Everyone else would, would cash them. I mean, there's just lots of little things. I was known for that. So hopefully demonstrating um, a good character. But then I also can be peevish. I can be a bit of a jerk. You know, I can be, I, I'm driven. Mm-hmm. And also I have strong opinions, you know, and I think there's a right way to do something. <laughs> and and yeah. there'd be times I kind of was, I was less than gracious in, mm-hmm. in how I would respond. But yeah, you're hoping that, that God's, you know, working through mm-hmm. us in a story, you know, in our own story of grace and, and, and bringing grace to other people. Yeah, it always amazes me how God, why, he wants to use us to spread his word. I'm like, and we are so imperfect and so, you know, bumbling at times. And I'm like, it, it would be so much easier for him just to do it himself. But he includes us because he loves us. But yeah. I'd like to go backtrack a little bit. You know, you mentioned the ADD thing. How was that? You said, you know, later in life, you discovered that this was a thing and you had struggled with it your whole life coping other ways. So was that like a bit of a relief when you discovered that's what it was and you could now name it and, and mm-hmm. deal with that? Or how did how did that feel? For me, it was a relief. Um, it's like, oh, so that's why I am the way I am. Mm-hmm. And there's some medicine for that. For mm-hmm. my wife, it was um, it was not. <laughs> <laughs> it was, oh, so this isn't going to change. Mm. And, you know, things that I just thought were normal, like leaving my keys in the front door, mm-hmm. you know, because I just forgot to take them out of the door. And, you know, she grew up in a, in a, in a less than healthy household and, you know, suffered some trauma. And mm-hmm. so safety is a very key issue, yeah. very important issue for her. And so these things 
that, that was hard. And the mm-hmm. fact that I, I am incapable of giving her the attention she deserves. Mm. So what ended up happening is, so we had a sense of that, you know, kind of like, oh yeah, this is hard, you know, okay, well, it's a struggle, but you know, I take my Ritalin, I'm be, my sermons are better. Uh, I'm feeling, mm-hmm. I'm feeling better about things, but kind of the nature of, of so many things with marriage, especially is, you know, as God starts peeling away back these outer layers or he starts yeah. dealing with the, the bigger stuff, mm-hmm. you have a, you have a um, emotionally repressed boy with ADHD, Mary, uh, uh, emotionally unrepressed girl with PTSD. Uh, we, mm. we clash spectacularly Yeah, and marriage has, it, it's been harder for us than average. I, I will mm-hmm. say that. And she'll say the same thing. I, we look at other couples. It's like, it's just not fair. <laughs> you know, it, it's been a lot mm-hmm. easier for the easier for them, but that's it. God dealt with a lot of these huge things. My wife has been tremendous at seeking growth and seeking God and studying and just doing, going to counseling and working so hard. And as those things start to be dealt with, then deeper things could be seen. Yeah. And so we got to a point about, uh, gosh, about two years ago, about two years ago, where it's like, something ain't working and we're both really not happy. And mm-hmm. we're like, okay, we're going to, we'll go back to the counseling thing. This isn't the first time, mm-hmm. but let's give it another shot. And the counselor, you know, you're filling out the intake form. I just, you know, what medications I start riddling, didn't think no second thought, you know, so mm-hmm. there it is. And we thought there's all these things that need to be dealt with. But as soon as she saw that, she honed in on that and said, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about ADHD in marriage. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, we got the books. She helped us understand just the, the, the challenges that again, I'm not capable of giving her the attention mm-hmm. that she deserves. Furthermore, we've created this, you know, unhealthy, a lot of unhealthy patterns and a lot of, uh, a lot of bitterness, a lot of hurt. Cause I, shame is a huge part of my story. I didn't think it was, but it really is. And how much shame mm-hmm. I felt from her when she was frustrated because I didn't meet her reasonable expectations. And so it has been a huge process of, uh, we changed for away from Ritalin to Adderall because Adderall is longer lasting. I thought that it was basically for, I was taking medicine for me and for work. Now I realize that I'm taking it for her and for our relationship. So I can mm-hmm. pay better attention to her. It's been a challenge. There, there's no two ways. And we were definitely growing. And there's, you know, after 20, coming up in 22 years, you can do a lot of damage in 22 years too. It, it's something I didn't understand back as a kid is that two people who really love Jesus can still really hurt each other. Mm-hmm. And it's been this huge, again, ongoing challenge where, um, we're both fighters. And if it weren't for that, you know, we wouldn't have survived. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, God's done amazing stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I, I love the, like the dedication and determination you guys have of, okay, this is, this is a little rocky. We'll, we'll go back, you know, to counseling, get some more help again. And cause we all, I, so my, my take on like mental health and things like that, we really need to remove the stigma of that. I've been to a Christian counselor and yeah. it's really helped me overcome and deal with some things in ways that other people and other methods could not, right. you know, touch that area of things that were going on. But my, my thing is it should just be like going to the dentist. We should just mm-hmm. all go to counseling. <laughs> I'll go to marital counseling. I'll go to single counseling. It should just be sort of a maintenance thing. I, we don't have enough Christian counselors that are certified right. to handle that load. But that's my my vision one day is that, you know, there's no stigma going to the dentist and saying, hey, my teeth are dirty. I need to get them clean. You know, we our our hearts and our minds get gunked up with stuff in the world. And, and we need to kind of flesh that out sometimes. And definitely prayer and Bible and all that is great. 
but there's, you know, some specialized training that counselors have that is very valuable. Right. And, you know, sometimes we're applying the Bible to the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we're dealing with surface issue, but there's other stuff going on. And, um, you know, and I agree, it's, it's something, I was actually a, one of my recent clients, they adopted, foster adopted these, uh, these twins who uh, suffered both from um, fetal, fetal alcohol syndrome, but also um, reactive attachment disorder or something like that. I can't remember exactly, it's RAD, I think is the initials, but basically because they weren't touched or cared for at these certain ages, they lacked the, literally lacked the pathways to create normal um, relationships. Mm-hmm. And something they share with me is how difficult it's been because Christians just don't want to even talk to them within their own denomination. Yeah. They would offer to help like to do uh, sessions on, you know, these sort of things. And a lot of Christians just didn't even, wouldn't even call them back because when we get into things about mental health, I think what's what a lot of, we struggle theologically because it's like, mm-hmm. well, Number one, why would God let those sort of things happen? Mm-hmm. Number two, where does um, culpability, where does uh, uh, free will, where does our ability mm-hmm. to sell, to, do, to do what's right come in right. if something's miswired? And it just, it gets messy and we don't like messy conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, I really hope, as I said to them, that, you know, uh, Rick Warren's son committing suicide is a tragedy but that seemed to just yeah. break it open a little bit better. And I do, I agree with you. I would love for it, mm-hmm. the stigma to be removed. And then I think hopefully as more Christians start seeing Christian counselors, hopefully we'll have more qualified Christian counselors who've actually been trained instead of just, mm-hmm. you know, um, anyways. Yeah. yeah. You, you got me on soapbox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. I, for years, I tried to handle my depression by just trying to pray it away yeah. and just pleading with God that that would be enough. And certainly he can heal things in the moment if that's his will. But I might, and this is just a hypothesis. I don't know what God's thinking, but um, you know, I wonder if maybe he didn't heal it instantaneously, you know, because he has these things he wanted me to walk through and these ways that he wanted me to grow that yeah. I wouldn't have been able to do if he just snapped his fingers and made it all go away. Um, I'm a a stronger person. Now my faith is stronger. I'm more compassionate person. There's just so many areas in my life where there's just growth because he didn't snap his fingers and make me better instantaneously. There was a part of the work that he wanted me to do too. And, uh, so I think he was kind of waiting for me to, to get off my butt and participate as well, instead of just wanting him to wash it all down the drain. Yeah. And and also part of it is to that, that multitude of counselors, the community bringing other people in that a lot of times we're reluctant to bring people in from the outside. We, we want to do it all ourselves. And that's mm-hmm. very much of a American, highly independent, uh, you know, not wanting the, the biblical model is interdependence. You know, we're, we need each other. We work together right. and, and we don't like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I find, especially among, uh, you know, Christians, I think also is sometimes it's the people who are the most helpful to others who are the most resistant to being helped. Sure. <laughs> sometimes. And it's like, no, no, no. You help us all the time. I want to help you with this. No, 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 no. I don't. <laughs> and I'm like, no, really it's great. But I, I heard or read or it's about, you know, when we, we did not want the ability or, you know, we, we turn off that help from them, then we're not allowing them to have the blessing of being a helper to mm-hmm. others. You know, we're, we're taking that away from them. And yeah. um, I, I agree. I think God wants us to be interdependent with each other. Right. And that's something, so tell uh, us more about um, ghost writing for people maybe. Sure. 
So ghostwriting, yeah. it's, you know, it's one of those things okay. I always kind of, when you hear about ghostwriting, like, oh, just go write your own book. It, it seemed like a little bit of a cheat, but I so changed my mind on that. Here's the, the, the reality is I spent, oh, I've spent 15 years honing my writing ability, you know, studying it. I've read more books about writing than, than you can imagine. And I, I've learned, gone to conferences and I've worked really hard. I, I can't tell you how many drafts I wrote of, of my books. And so I've spent 15 years um, working on this. Now you have someone else, like a, one of my clients was a missionary and uh, turned businesswoman, and she had lots and lots of experience and life experience, both uh, in ministry and also in business. And she spent all of her time developing that. So why should she have to uh, spend 15 years writing when I already have that time? So it's, it becomes a uh, teamwork. I have the writing skills, you have the story, yeah. you have the wisdom, let's, let's work together. And so a good ghostwriting is, is a partnership. It comes to um, like, so with this woman, she had great teaching points. She just had these bullet points with some great mm-hmm. stuff, but um, she wasn't a storyteller. And she kind of actually, I had to like interview her and draw the story. And these draw stories, the story. just, yeah, like, wait, wait, hang on a second. Repeat that. What did you just say? It's just, that's, and she's like, yeah, 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 blah, 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 blah. What? Okay, let's stop. And so I could go and pull these things out of her and then take it and then write it in her, uh, it's her story, but I'm mm-hmm. learning to mimic a voice, her voice. Right, so right. one of the things that happened in that time that took to get here was by writing a novel, I had to uh, be able to write different char- in different characters' voices. I had to know how Leah's voice, how Leah sounded when she talked. I need to know how her mom sounded when she talked, how Davy sounded, you know, mm-hmm. all these. So I l- almost literally could hear them talking in my head. Well, that was a skill that allowed me to do the same thing when I'm writing for someone. So when I'm writing for for that this one client, I repeat something, I write something, repeat it back. I can hear her saying it. No, not quite. Okay, use this word instead. Now I'm writing for a different author, and it's, it's the same sort of thing. Um, and so it just becomes this thing of, again, I'm helping pull stories out of people, writing it in a way that they wish they could. It's still their material, but again, it's cooperative. And then furthermore, I also I coach people, help them through the writing process. Sometimes it's just a couple of meetings. Sometimes like that one, the couple who Foster adopted, I just did a uh, developmental editing edit of their book. I went through everything they wrote and helped organize it much better uh, just because I have a sense Mm -hmm. of how to organize things. And so my personal mission is to uh, bring more God-honoring, life-changing books into the marketplace. I don't care if my name's on it or not. Uh, that's, that's, I realize that's mm-hmm. a talent I have or a thing is I don't I don't care about the the credit. And straight, I mean, I'm not saying that I have humility because I'm proud in a lot of other ways, but uh, it just, that's something that, you know, if I, I may want to get collaboration credit for the sake of getting my name out there so that I can build a business. But in terms of my own ego, I, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that it basically gives me this opportunity to help people again, bring more God honoring life-changing books into the marketplace. And so that's why I do with, uh, my website. Kind of my tagline is um, you have a book in you. I'll help you find it. That, that's really what I try to do. And yeah. uh, it's, it's a blast. Uh, oh yeah. You know, sometimes when you've been slogging through life for a long time, you finally find what God's called you to. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie. I'm really enjoying myself. Yeah. It's yeah. hard work. That's great. There's so many people that I meet and I'm like, oh, wow, you know, that your story would make such a great book. Or, you know, now that I've written a book, I see the benefit of that. And um, there are no, I'm not a I'm not a writer. I'm like, well, there's other ways that you can get, you know, you don't have to be a writer. And, they, you know, they blow me off. They won't even listen to it. But now I can just send them to you. 
Absolutely. <laughs> yep. I would be yeah. And so yeah, welcome to that people. Come check out my website. It's my name, Josh Kelly, uh, J-O-S-H-K-E-L-L-E-Y dot ink, ink like the stuff you write with. Um, you can also find out more about my, my book, Radically Normal there. Um, yeah, I love yeah. that cover image. That's very cool. Yeah, that's I think <laughs> that, so as Harvest House that 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 did it, and I think they did a great job. Um, yeah. and I'll just say just this book, I, I had a blast writing it, but the message of it is something I still so deeply believe in. And that is, you know, I grew up in a good Christian household and you have this sense that, that if you weren't like a missionary to China or you weren't a pastor, you couldn't be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. You would always be like a second-class Christian unless you're actually in active ministry. And, you know, I grew up listening to Keith Green and all that. And, you know, all those, like Keith Green meant well, but I think he really, and others like him really got people thinking that if you're not in the ministry, you can't be a whole heart to follow Christ. Okay. And so that's really was my message is um, the, the subtitles, you don't have to live crazy to follow Jesus. Trying to find this way of everyday life, whether it's as a bartender a stay-at-home mm-hmm. mom, an Air Force pilot, whatever it is, that you're being able to honor God in that place or a used car salesman. Mm-hmm. If a used car yeah. salesman doesn't think that you can honor God at his job, well, guess what? He's going to start acting in ways that are dishonoring to God. But if he mm-hmm. believes that, that he can be a used car salesman to the glory of God, then he's going to act in a way that, that that mimics that, that follows that. And then for me also, so much of the story was how much you know, the, you have dist- all these destructive sins that we try and push Christians away from. You know, like growing up in youth group, you have this whole mindset that's like, the way they describe it, there's like this path of life that you're walking along and there's this cliff of destructive sins. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't sleep with your girlfriend, you don't drink, you don't listen to bad music. And you watch the videos about how bad secular rock is and all that. Mm-hmm. And we try to keep the kids from going over that cliff. And I, I, I listen to the message. I, I stay as far away from that cliff as possible. The thing that no one told me was that there's also a cliff on the other side of the path, and that's a cliff mm-hmm. of self-righteousness. Yep. So whereas I had, you know, the destructive sins wasn't even really a temptation. Mm-hmm. Self-righteousness, uh, yeah, that's, that's, I cannonball off of that. Oh, I would yeah. judge kids in my youth group, oh, wait, you're, you know, you're, uh, you listen to bad music, you're not a great Christian, you're sleeping with your girlfriend, you're not even saved. Mm-hmm. And strangely enough, strange as it sounds, that going to a Bible study to this day is a greater temptation to me than going into a bar. Because yeah. if I go into a bar, I'm not going to behave in a manner that dishonors God. I'm not going to get drunk. I'm not going to slap some waitress on the, the behind. I, I don't do that stuff. That's mm-hmm. at, at this point in my life, the idea of an affair sounds as much fun as being my head in with a hammer. You know, <laughs> are you mm-hmm. kidding? That's stupid. Yeah. yeah. But going into Bible study, well, I kind of know my stuff. I know the Bible pretty well. And I will, I can, you know, run circles around most pastors because I spent the, the years I spent studying and guess what I am prone to do. You know, that, that becomes my pride. Yeah. And yeah. so a lot of what I try to do in the book is try to warn people away from both cliffs and how, how easy it is to, if you're avoiding one to jump off the other. So, yeah. Again, That's another great. little tangent, but yeah. something I, I definitely believe in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, Love how you put that with the cliffs on both sides. I came to a similar awareness, I think, a couple of years ago. I was doing like an in-depth study of Romans. But mm-hmm. um, the way it kind of came to me through that was that the the sin of self-righteousness is every bit as wicked to God as the sin of unrighteousness. And I think Christians, you know, we we tend to be self-righteous and think that's okay. But it's just as ugly as if we and- fell off the other side of the cliff. 
And it's also, I would say in some way, it's more dangerous because the drug addict, the person on the corner with a sign saying, we'll work for food, but they won't, they -hmm. don't have any illusions about having their lives together. Mm -hmm. They know they're messed up. Yeah. The, uh, the deacon who has his life together perfectly and is doing everything right, but is self-righteous, his life isn't falling apart. So, you know, you think of the, the, the whole uh, story of the prodigal son, right? The, mm-hmm. the younger brother, the prodigal son represents the, that self-destructive lifestyle. The older brother represents the Pharisees. That, that, the story was told to the Pharisees. Right. And so the younger brother, when he was in the pig, pit, pig pen wanting to eat their food, he knew he was screwed up. That he wanted to get out of there. Mm-hmm. But how does the story end? The story ends with the father going to the older brother saying, you need to show mercy. You need to come away from the self-righteousness. And the story stops there. We don't find out what the big brother does. Mm. And that's powerful. And it's that's a storytelling technique. As you stop a story at that point, is Jesus saying to the audience, what are you going to do? Are you going to come in? Are you going to show mercy? Are you going to leave behind your self-righteousness? Or are you going to stay stuck on the outside, you know, away from the party? And mm-hmm. again, it is self-righteousness in its own way is more dangerous than the destructive sins because you'll look so much better, you know. You got me preaching mm-hmm. again, sorry. Yeah, you'll <laughs> think you have it together. Yeah, no, no, that's great. I And that, you know, that like gets under my skin with the Bible, that, but Jonah, for example, just drops you off like that. And I'm like, wait, right. where's... Is there a chapter five? Like, <laughs> what happened? Exactly. But it just leaves you there so that you could make that choice for yourself. Well, what are you going to do? It, it, I'll tell you, it, it's really fun reading the Bible again now as a novelist is you see the story techniques mm-hmm. and that Jonah, you that's a great example. That is why Jonah ends the way it does is because it's a confrontation of the people of Israel. The people of Israel's job was to draw all the other nations to be a light to the Gentiles but they were failing in that job. So the whole point of the story is, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And that's the question to us. Yeah. That continues to be the question to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, I really enjoyed chatting with you today. There's so many different, a variety of topics, <laughs> but uh, all very interesting. And I um, I just want to be sure that our listeners know where to connect with you and everything. You mentioned your website and the services there in your book. So just tell us a little bit more, remind them um, where they can get in touch with you and what kinds of things you offer. Yeah, absolutely. So again, the easiest place to get in touch with me is my website. So my name, Josh Kelly, if you're watching, it's right there. It's with the the E at the beginning and E at the end, joshkelly.inc, I-N-K, like the stuff you write with. And that my website, you'll find more about my my book and uh, my services and, you know, how I, how I might be able to help you. Uh, my book is available also for purchase on, you know, Amazon, of course, auto, audio book and all that. And yeah, just let me know. I, if someone's interested, come reach out to me and I'm glad to see what, what God might have in store. Thank you very much for, for sharing that with us today. That was really special, and I enjoyed chatting with you. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I had a blast talking to you. You have been listening to Resilient Life Hacks with Liz Myers. The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by the guests of this show are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of Elizabeth or Resilient Life Hacks Ministries. To learn more and download your free guide to Liz's Top 20 Resilient Life Hacks, go to resilientlifehacks.com. Subscribe now so you never miss the life hacks you need to live the life you want.